Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Senior Pastor John Lofton. Amen. Okay, so open your Bibles with me very quickly to 2 Samuel chapter 12. 2 Samuel chapter 12. So 2 Samuel, how many of you came in here to hear a word today? Amen. We already know, uh, if you go back a couple of messages, I believe God is building us up for something. Uh, if you want to go back and go back to iTunes and listen to our message, the first message that I feel like God brought to us to prepare us was he said, waiting in the shadows, that a lot of us uh, seems like, you know, we've, we've, we've gotten that dream from God and we've seen some beautiful things. We've, we saw how awesome God wanted to bless us in certain areas of our lives, but we don't see them right now. Uh, there, there are some things that we've dreamed about, but not presently seeing it. Hello, am I by myself in here? Uh, there, there are some things that you feel in your spirit that you should be doing right now, but you're not doing it. Uh, do I have some witnesses in the house this morning? So it's almost as if God has you on that proverbial shelf waiting. And so I talked about waiting and what it means to wait in the shadows, that for people that are in the shadows, how many in the shadows you feel like in the shadows right now by a show of hands? Now, some of you are already operating in what you see. That's good. Just hold on because that's going to change. But for those that are waiting right now, us, us, that are waiting right now, that means God has a greater assignment for you. And sometimes during that period of waiting, there is a process that we have to go through called sifting. And God is trying to sift us while we're waiting so we will be prepared for what he has for us. So that's okay that you might see other people doing things and, and out there doing stuff that you might not be doing right now. All you need to do is praise God for their blessing. Amen. While you wait, you prepare. That's why last week I talked to you about get busy living. Because you might be on the shelf right now, but that's not for you to sit back and just wait on God. You ought to be busy doing things, serving God, reading your word, studying your word, being about the things of God. You got to get busy living or you can get busy dying. The choice is yours. So we can wait on God, get prepared, wait for that great assignment that he has for us. We can get busy living. And this one right here, I believe, ties everything in together. And I pray I can get it out like I felt God put it in me because I am the one that God was talking about when he gave me this message. So these are things that I am going through, things that I am experiencing myself because I have seen things. I, I, have, I have dreamed things. I have sensed things. I have had prophetic words come to me. I have written down whole dreams and whole prophetic words about what God was going to do in my life. And what I see and what I read don't line up with what I'm seeing today. So I'm on the shelf with you. But I'm going to get busy living. I'm not going to stay on that shelf. Somebody put your hand on your heart. Say, I'm not going to stay on the shelf. But when God is ready to release you, will you be ready? See, that's the thing. Because when he gets ready to release you, all the doors are already going to be open. And the hell and the pain that you had to endure throughout the years is not even going to compare to the glory and the opportunity that God is going to open up for you. As a matter of fact, it's going to be so good that you're not even going to remember all the hell you had to go through. Glory! I feel good about that because I'm going through a whole lot of hell. <laughs> Praise God. Who's there with me this morning? <laughs> amen, amen, amen. So I hope uh, this message is going to come as an encouragement. Second Samuel chapter 12. 2 Samuel chapter 12. We're going to start reading at verse 15. When you get that, say, I have it. Verse 15 says, And the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and, and it became ill. The child became ill. And, and of course, this is uh, King David who uh, had an adulterous affair with Bathsheba who was, at the time, Uriah's wife. Something here I don't have time to get into right now. Elaine and I get into it more when we get into marriage. Notice the scripture says, Uriah's wife. Notice that David and, and, and Bathsheba had a baby, but it was Uriah's wife. 
it was not David's wife. Therefore, David had no business. <laughs> yeah, okay. I don't have time. 16. David, therefore, pleaded with God for the child. So David, he, he prayed to God. He pleaded for God. Do something, God. I need your help. David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. David went on the ground. He laid out on the ground. David said, God, you got to do something. My child is about to die. I'm hurting God. Can you help a brother out? Verse 17 says, so the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food uh, with them. So David fasted, and he laid out on the ground, and, and people came to console David. And David said, leave me alone, man. I got something to do. I'm praying. I got, I, got, I got something going on in my house. See, sometimes, sometimes, saints of God, when you got stuff going on in your own house, people around you might not know what you're going through. And they're trying to get you to get up and do stuff, and they said, no, I got to stick right here with God. David said, no, no. No, I, I can't do that. Verse 18, then on the seventh day, somebody say the seventh day. See, David laid down for seven days. Seven is a very significant number because seven in biblical numerology means the day of completion. Okay, so on the seventh day, it came to pass that the child died. So David prayed. He fasted. He laid out for seven days. But what David prayed for and the answer he got was not the same. We're going to get into this in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. It's going to be good. I promise you it's going to be good. The child died, and the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, indeed, while the child was alive, we spoke to him, and he would not heed our voice. How can we tell him that the child is dead? So they were afraid to tell the king. He might harm us. They was afraid because they say, if we tell, we tell the king that the child is dead, he might, he might cut our throats like my, my grandmama used to say, cut your throat. 19, when David saw that his servants were whispering, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore, David said to his servants, is the child dead? And they said, he is dead. Now, you got to watch David. Now, you remember he prayed for something to God. He pleaded for God. He fasted and laid out for seven days. But the child died. But you got to watch what David did. Check this out. So David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself, changed his clothes, and he went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. <laughs> I could just pray and go to the house. <laughs> I mean, then he went to his own house, and when he requested, they uh, sent food to him, and he ate. That's all I want to read right there. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. For this word, I believe it's going to be an encouragement to the people of God because it has definitely encouraged me this week, God. For sometimes what I'm praying for and the answers I get just don't line up. But God, as long as we worship, we know that all things are work for our good. You get the glory for whatever's going to take place today, Lord. In your precious son, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Can somebody say amen? I want to preach for a few moments from the subject. What do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when you don't know what to do? Have anybody ever been in that place before? See, see, what do you do when the vicissitudes of life set your emotions on a vicious roller coaster ride? You up and you're down. I know people sitting in here don't know what I'm talking about because I'm sure you're always up. Amen. Uh, uh, am I in the right place? Uh, do you ever get down? Uh huh. I'm not talking about get down at the club. I'm talking about get down like in your emotions, right? Because y'all might be saying, yeah, I, get, I got down last night. Uh huh. I ain't talking about that get down. <laughs> I'm talking about getting down in your emotions. Amen. Y'all loosen up a little bit. Loosen up. Praise God. <laughs> what do you do when you've prayed for God's intervention, but the answers you receive does not match with what God gave you? What do you do when you've reached the deadline to get an answer from God, but God has delayed in responding? What do you do when you've been obedient to the will of God, but everything around you seems to be falling apart? Uh huh. See, I think we've all had or having or will have days like this. If you haven't, just, just, just hold on. And it's okay, because when we go through these experiences, 
it, it allows us to grow. There are days when uncertainty will cause us to begin to question what God has sent our way. We will begin to question our profession or question the career that we uh, uh, are, are in or question the education that we decided to get. And, and sometimes we can go fall back into this, 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 this place where we begin to say, well, did God really say what I thought he said? I don't know, anybody there with me right now? I'm telling you right now, I'm hitting something right now because that, 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 that's a place the person that's speaking unto you is in right now. Questioning the fact that, okay, God, I, I, I know what I heard, but what I heard is not what I see. Uh -huh. I know what I prayed for, fasted for, gave for, don't line up with what I'm seeing right now. See, I came to encourage you this morning that although you might be in that place, you're not going to stay in that place. Glory to God. Hallelujah. If I had hair right now, my head would be itching. Write this down right now. Write this down. Sometimes good things fall apart so that better things can fall together. Glory to God. Sometimes good things will fall apart so that better things can fall together. You must understand that all things are working for the good of them that love the Lord and are the call according to his purposes. Not all things are going to feel good. But it's working. You heard the song this morning that Pastor Elaine was singing. She said, it's working for my good. It may not feel good at the moment. But it's working for my good, for my, for my future. Amen. And so, so his grace and his favor is all over, over you right now. He's chasing you down right now. You don't even know it. You can't get out of the way of grace and favor. Every time you turn it around, doors are going to open up for you. Money chasing you down right now. Open up the mailbox. Boom, a check. See, if you don't believe on that level, it's not going to come to you. Hmm. In the midst of it all, God is seeking one thing from us. The woman of God, when she opened up service this morning, she had no idea that I was going to be talking about this particular scripture. It is John chapter 4, verse 24. It said, God is spirit. Somebody say, God is spirit. Come on, say it. God is spirit. It did not say God is a spirit. God is spirit. Without God, there's no spirit. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit, in his atmosphere, in his nature. That's why you can't worship God unless you know God. You can lift your hands. You can come to church. You can give your tithes. You can do all that stuff and may not be a worshiper. Because if you're not in the spirit, you can't worship. <laughs> in spirit and in truth. Jesus was addressing the Samaritan woman at this particular time. And the Samaritan woman had a theological question to ask Jesus. And you just did not want to ask the word of God a theological question. Some of y'all to get that when you go home later today. Well, see, the reason you don't ask the word of God, because he is God. He's Jesus. Jesus is the word. The word is God. John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word is God. And the word is Jesus. So Jesus is the word with God from the beginning and the end because Jesus is God. So she was asking God a theological question about God. Y'all still don't get it yet. You got it? Y'all got to help me out. If you don't get it, just give me a Baptist nod. Just give me a good Baptist nod. Come on, come on. All right, it's all right, it's all right, it's all right. So, so she was asking Jesus a theological question. You know what she said? She said, what's the best place to worship? And that's when Jesus said, God is spirit. So in other words, it's not about the location of worship. It's about the person who worships. See, see, it doesn't matter about the location. It doesn't matter how big or small. It doesn't matter if you're in church or not. You can be at the, at the kitchen sink worshiping God. Hello, somebody. You can be washing clothes worshiping God. You can be folding clothes like I do worshiping God. You can be ironing your shirt and your dress worshiping God. Y'all know how we used to, oh, come on, come on, come on. See, all y'all hadn't been saved all your little life. Y'all know how we used to do? 
Oh, look at y'all are holy now. Let me go ahead and get you unholy for a second. We'll go back to being holy, but let me get you unholy for just a second. You remember before we used to go to the club? Y'all, some of y'all went last night. But anyway, so y'all remember, y'all remember when we used to be, I ain't talking about you, just the person in your seat. So anyway, so listen, listen, you remember, you remember now. Come on, come on. Now, okay, let me do that. I remember what I used to do. Okay, Friday night, right? Got you, just got paid. Uh-huh, y'all know the song. All right, so listen, so listen, you, 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 you going to come on now, don't, don't shout me down because I'm just giving you truth right now because I wasn't saved when I was born. I didn't get saved until later on, so I was out there in the club, so I understand. You ain't telling me nothing I didn't done or, or created. So, so I'm thinking about getting my drink on, right? So go to the ABC store. Uh, uh, come on now, y'all know AB, it's not, a, not learning your alphabets because you forget your alphabets when you go to the ABC store. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know why they call it ABC. Well, I do, but, you know. Anyway, so you go get your drink on now. You got to look good. You ain't not going to go out looking trashy. Right? Because you got to look good. You don't know who's going to be at the club. You know, so you got to look your best. So, so, so what are you doing at home? You, you getting ready. What do you hear in the background? Music. And what are you usually doing? Getting your dance on, right? So you at the ironing board. Got your favorite song on. Why, why, why? You getting into the spirit of the club. Why don't you do that for God on Sunday morning? Hello, somebody. You could be sitting there at the ironing board. God, I praise you. I know things are not working out right now, but I give you glory. I worship you right now because of who you are. Why? Because you want the atmosphere right on your own life. So when you go into the house of God, he can move in your life. Talk to me, somebody. He said, they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It's not about the location of where you worship. It's about you, the worshiper. As a matter of fact, let me take this a little bit deeper. God is not seeking worship. Oh, I just messed somebody a little theology up right there. God is not seeking worship. He's seeking a worshiper. Uh-huh, uh-huh. See, see, God can make the rocks cry out. The Bible said the mountain melts like wax in the presence of the Lord, and the, sing, the birds sing purely for his enjoyment. So he, don't, he, don't, he, he can get worship. You know what he's looking for? Worshippers. Why? Because you have to know him to worship him. You know when you see those awards and somebody just been gyrating on the stage, doing all that pelvic pumping stuff, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about, half dress. Uh-huh, you can see downtown and uptown. Uh, all at the same time. But then they win the award and they say, I give honor to God. Well, well listen. Don't get mad about that because the Bible says everything that has breath has to praise. But you know what they can't do? They can't worship. <laughs> they can't worship God because they don't really know him because if they knew him, they wouldn't have been gyrating on that stage. Uh-huh. See, everybody that claimed to be a Christian. <laughs> See, I can judge it because we are Christians. We can't judge the things outside the house, but if the, the day you say you're a Christian and you don't line up with Christian values, we, in the house of God, according to Apostle Paul, we have a right to judge it. See, that's why we got to teach the Bible the way the Bible was written. And people say, y'all, don't you be judging me. Are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. Well, I'm judging that. That's not godly. But listen, before you start pouring, you better make sure you got your own life lined up right. Hello, somebody. So God is not seeking worship. He's seeking Worshipers, worship is not something that is done on the outside. Worship is a transformation that happens from the inside out. Because God is spirit. It's not about what we do in our flesh. It's about a transformation that goes on in our spirits. So unless there's a change in our spirit, we can't worship God. We can lift our hands. We can cry out. We can do all that stuff. We can do all those Christian shenanigans. It don't mean a thing because God is looking at your heart because if you can still come to church and you still go right out there and sin and, and drink and fornicate and all the stuff that you're lying, cheating, stealing, and all the stuff that you do, then you never worshiped. 
Because that relationship of worshiping God should convict you enough to turn your behind around every time you want to sin. Let me tell you something. I don't, I don't want to sin, don't like to sin. But even if I get close to it, there's something inside of me that says, boy, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't be nasty. Don't be mean. Don't do that. Don't say that to your wife. Even though I said it already, God said, boy. It's, it's, it's why? Because I desire a relationship with him. And I'm telling you, saints, there are some things that are going to be happening in your life. If you don't know how to worship, you're not going to get through it. Are you hearing me? Mark my words of what I'm saying. True worship is when your empty nature collides with the fullness of God's supernatural nature. So in other words, unless you come to God empty, he's not going to fill you. Oh, you see how quiet it got? It's quiet as a church mouth in here. You see how quiet it is? Y'all came in here full. Well, during worship, you should have emptied all of that out. Because God can't fill a full glass. So the problem of worship is not the location. The problem of worship is not the pastor. It's not the praise team. It's not the name of the church. The problem of worship is the worshiper. Because too many times we're so busy looking around when we should be looking up. See, everybody sitting around, you don't have your answers, but God does. I don't know, you might not, you know, have a need of a big answer. But if you have a need of a, a large answer, then maybe you need to worship larger. Mm-hmm. So let me, let me just illustrate this for you for a second before I get into the points of David. Just lift both of your hands. Just lift both of your hands in the air. Okay, bring your hands together. Okay, bring them out just a little bit, about two inches. Okay, what, what if, two inches, not five, <laughs> two inches. What, what if what that is is the seed of God? And he wants to come and sit on your life, but your seat is so small he can only give you a little bit. Okay, now lift them wide. Now what if that, come on, wide, way out. So what, what, what if that was the seat of God? So in other words, your worship will determine how much God you give. See, see, see I hope this is getting through to you. Because see, your worship is not what you do at church. Anybody should be able to worship at church. Well, I hope you should be able to worship at least at church. But what about on your job when the atheist is cussing right next to you in, in another cube? Can you worship him then or you get mad and vexed? I can't believe it. They're cussing, using all that foul language. But maybe if you worship, it'll change it. Maybe if you create a seat for God to sit, God can change situations in, in your atmosphere. But if you sit there and get mad, Vexed, I can't believe I'm in this dark place. But that's why you up in there. You know, you got Christians say, oh, it's just too dark in this place. Well, you need to turn your light on. What do you mean it's too dark? I just don't feel God. That's your problem. Right? You're supposed to feel God everywhere on your job, in the car. It doesn't matter. You're supposed to be sensing God is in your life. Even if you don't feel God, you should know God is there. You should have enough faith that God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And if you believe the word, you know he'll never leave you. Amen? All right, let's transition here. Can I go a little bit deeper? Okay, thank you for allowing me. So in 2 Samuel chapter 12, we find King David in a bit of a quagmire because regarding David's son, we know that this boy was born out of fornication. Somebody say fornication. You know that word is still in the Bible, right? And so, so this child was born uh, through fornication. David had sex with a married woman, Bathsheba. He had no business, you know, inquiring about this woman. And sometimes you can be in the wrong location for God, but the right location for the devil. And the enemy will always create something that you like. <laughs> okay. Every man is drawn away by, by, by his own. <laughs> Praise God. So you can't even blame God. And you can't blame the devil. Because every man is drawn away by 
And the devil is going to make sure that whatever you like, for men, whatever woman you like, if you like long hair, the long hair women are always going to be around you. And they're going to be throwing it around. I can't do it, but y'all know what I'm talking about. Right? Ladies, if you like a man to smell good, look good, there's always going to be them good-looking, smelling good brothers walk by you. <laughs> y'all be like, what was that? <laughs> See, y'all got all holy on me just that quick. Pastor, I, I'm so holy, I can smell a man that doesn't even bother me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's why you go home speaking in tongues. Oh, God, I buy, 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 buy. Tie my bow tie, buy me a Cadillac. Plead the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. You're throwing oil all around the apartment. <laughs> Get these thoughts out of my mind, oh, God. <laughs> that man smells so good, praise God. <laughs> so y'all know what I'm talking about in here, Amen. Look, look, uh-uh, uh y'all, hey, listen, I might be a pastor, but I'm not dead. I have, to, I have to make myself not look. I'm just like you, praise God, and God knows the type of woman I like, blackberries. <laughs> so, so the devil's not going to sin. <laughs> praise God. <laughs> So listen, if the devil sends a, a woman that's light-skinned, we call them high yellow or red bone, don't mean nothing to me. Don't care. Never did. Well, the ones I did, that's why I got in trouble. That's probably why I don't like them now, but. See, why y'all up in my life? <laughs> so he's going <laughs> to so bring what you like, the devil, that is. So in other words, Every man is drawn away by his own lust. And here's the word. This is a great word. It's not in my message, but I'm going to give it to you anyway for free. And you are enticed. You know the word enticed. If you look up the etymology of that word in the Greek context, that word enticed says to be captured by bait. So, so listen, listen, listen. All of us know what that bait is. But listen, if you ain't hungry, you're not eating. See, you can fish all day long, but if the fish ain't hungry, Randy, they're not going to bite, are they? See, the operative thing is not to be hungry for it. So in other words, you got to get into this to change this. So when your appetite changes, you're not hungry for what he wants to give you. Well, I'm preaching better than y'all letting on in here. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right, let me move on. So here, here we go. So David, the child got sick because David did some, in, some thing that wasn't in the will of God. Y'all see that, right? So, so the child got sick, and the prophet Nathan came to David and convicted David, and David repented. Now listen, David repented, and God forgave him. However, saints of God, listen to me very carefully. Don't, don't ever forget what I'm about to tell you. There are still consequences to our choices. See, every choice has consequences. I know all the parents, we teach our kids that. Every choice has consequences. Now, I'm going to love my children, but my children are grown. They can make whatever choice they want to make. That has nothing to do with me and Elaine. We did our best. We gave them our best. If we didn't have it, we couldn't give it. And let me tell you something, parents. If you don't have it, you can't give it to them. Don't make them make you get it. You just sit their little rear ends down and say, what? What I got is yours. If I don't have it, you can't get it. Hello, somebody. Now, I talk like this to my own kids, so I just had to have this conversation. So if I don't have it, I can't give it to you. So don't, don't let them say, well, 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 little Johnny got Converse tennis shoes, but that's little Johnny. Little <laughs> Johnny don't live in this house. <laughs> oh, no, I know Converse tennis shoes don't cost that much, but y'all get the point, right? So listen, you give the best that you can give. So David did something that was out of the will of God, and the child got sick. So when the child got sick, David began to pray. David laid out for seven days. He wouldn't get up off of the cold ground for seven days. David asked God to help. David wanted God to heal his child. There are five things that David did. And we're going to talk about those five things. Excuse me. First, David got up. Number two, he washed. Number three, he anointed himself. Number four, he changed his clothes. We're going to go into these. 
and then he went to the church to worship after the child died. Now, now, hold on, hold on. Let me stop for a second. Let me stop. Let me make sure we understand the context of this. David prayed. He fasted. He laid out for seven days on the cold ground, wouldn't eat anything. And what David prayed for, he didn't get the answer he wanted. But after David got his answer, he got up, he washed, he anointed, he changed his clothes, and he went to church to worship. You prayed for the job, you didn't get it. What did you do after? You prayed for God to send you a man. You didn't get him. I might have been at the church. <laughs> might have been at covenantcommunitychurch.com, amen. <laughs> Praise God. So listen, you, there are things we prayed for that we didn't get, but what did we do after is what we need to see what David did. So let's put first things first. Are we ready? So in other words, dry your eyes and get up. Somebody said dry your eyes and get up. So that's the first thing David did, even though the response he got wasn't what he prayed for, David dried his eyes and got up. So in other words, don't wallow in the valley of despair. Don't wallow in, in, in guilt. Don't wallow in shame and disappointment and rejection. You got to get up. At some point, you got to get up from where you are. So, so he changed his position. Although the condition didn't change, he changed his position. A lot of us want God to give us to the position while you haven't changed at all. So in other words, saints of God, even if your condition doesn't change, you need to change your position. So in other words, the position you need to change into is a position of worship. That God, although I don't see what I prayed for, and although the answer that I got was not the answer I was seeking, I'm still going to change my position. Who needs to change your position today? I know a lot of times when I didn't get the answer I wanted, the, I'm telling you what, my position wasn't good. Uh, you know, I'm talking about my face. Come on, come on now, somebody need to fix your face. Come on, say, fix your face. Amen. Come on, come on, come on, saints of God. Can we get real for a second? Didn't you get mad about that thing? God, I needed this yesterday. And what you gave me was what I asked for. God, I'm still, uh, man, I'm still in the same condition I was in. I've been going to church. I've been tithing. I've been trying to be good. I hadn't slapped anybody this week. I've been, I've been good. I ain't cussed nobody out. I hadn't ran anybody off the road. I haven't given anybody the one-way sign. Y'all know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Pointing people to Jesus, amen. <laughs> you need Jesus. <laughs> well, actually, our hand will be that way, so <laughs> praise God. Kids, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Pastor, just tripping. Don't, don't be doing that, right? Right. But then all of a sudden, God, I'm, I'm supposed to just worship? Yes. Why? Because it's about your position, not your condition. See, see, see God knew your condition before you did. He knew you was getting ready to go into it before you knew it. So God is not concerned about your condition. He wants you to change your position so he can put you where you need to be. Come on, somebody. You hearing me on this? So, so he dried his eyes and he got up, saints of God. So, so, so after that, he says he washed. He dried his eyes. He got up and he washed. Oh, this is so good. Thank you, Jesus. David knew that whatever it was that he did, it did not determine who he was. Do I need to say that again? So I'll say it again. David knew that whatever it was he did, it did not determine who he was. Whatever you did, that does not determine who you are. The devil is always going to take you back to what you did, but what you did does not determine who you are today. Because God forgave you. In other words, he wiped the slate clean. 
So David had to not only change his position, he had to wash. So he had to wash himself from his past. Glory to God. Just because you get up doesn't mean that you're not tangled up. Glory to God. See, David knew that he was the anointed child. He was anointed by the man of God. But David also knew that what he did did not make who he was. And the anointing on your life will be hindered if you don't know who you are today. What you did is not who you are today. There is a passage in the book of Acts where, where, the, where, where Paul went to the island of Militar. And, and there was a viper that attached to Paul. And the people of Militar said, no doubt this man was a murderer. See, see, the problem with that, saints of God, is what they said was true. See, what do you do when your enemy says something about you that's true? Now, I can handle the liars and the naysayers because I didn't do it no way. But when the enemies come to me and tell me about something I did that's true, how do you handle that? Because Paul did what they said, but Paul wasn't what they said he did. You might have done what the enemy is saying, but you're not what he said you did. Is that too confusing? I can't repeat it, so don't ask me. <laughs> I was in the anointment that time, <laughs> so I can't go back. Y'all know what I'm saying? Right, because see, listen, listen. I know what I, John Lothar knows what I did. But who I am today is not what I did. See, I'm a man of God today. I stand for Christian values today. I'm going to stand on the principles of righteousness and holiness today. Even though I still mess up, I know where to go. Who's with me here? Somebody say, wash yourself. Somebody say, wash yourself. Wash yourself from guilt and depression and shame and all of the stuff that we have to go through. Wash yourself from behaviors that you did. Listen, you're not supposed to keep doing the same old things and expecting a different result. What's wrong with you? Just doing the same stuff. Never change your position. I've said this before. If you want something you've never had, you got to what? Change your position. Wash yourself. And the only way you can wash is by the word. If you're not in the word, you're going to always be in the flesh. I'm just, I'm just telling you what I know. If you're not studying the Bible, you're going to be carnal. And to be carnally minded, the Bible says, the Apostle Paul says, it's death. So you're dead on the inside, but you don't want nobody to know. That's why you're acting like a Christian. But Jesus sees that you're nothing but a whitewashed tomb. Ain't nothing in there. That's what Jesus said. That's why people don't like Jesus. <laughs> Jesus will tell you like a T-I-S, won't he? <laughs> like a T-I-S, right? And so Jesus said, you're nothing but a whitewashed tomb. All this piety that you're doing, all this at the wailing wall, and all these bees that you're rubbing on, and, and saying all these chantings, and, and all that stuff, that don't mean nothing. Because when I look at your heart, it's still nasty. You're still mean. you still got bitterness. you still got people in your past that you're holding on to. Somebody said, I better wash. So he got up, he washed himself, and he anointed himself. That's number three. He anointed himself. See, the anointing represents a rededicating of our temples to God. You know, we need to rededicate our temples to God, even as Christians. Because, see, sometimes we put stuff in this temple that's not holy. See, the Bible says it like this. It's not what comes into a man that defiles him and what's come out of him, which means that if there is filth on the inside, the tongue is like a bucket. The tongue is going to go down into that reservoir, and it's going to pull up with whatever's in the reservoir. The tongue doesn't know anything different. So when people cuss folks out and they say, I don't know where that came from, let me help you. <laughs> I know, I t I, can I help you? I can tell you where it came from. It came, it came from that reservoir. See, if you don't put the word in, you can't get the word out. So everything that you say, you hear. So if there's no word in here, and when you speak, you catch everything you say. So in other words, unless you have the word of God in you, you can't speak faith. So everything that's coming out of your mouth 
is not faithful. So you begin to get faith in unbelief. Because faith comes. So everything that you hear, if it's not the word, then it's contrary to the word. It's antithetical to Christ. So when you speak it, it's negative. So you have faith in the negativity. So when you have faith in the negativity, when you get around somebody that's speaking the word, they don't want to be around you. They're rejecting you, but really they're rejecting the word that's in you. That's why sometimes when you go around people, they don't want to be around you. And we get upset. I can't believe they don't want to be around you. It's the light. Light repels darkness. You should want to be in dark places. You should want your family to say, I don't like being around you because I don't know. You are, you're always talking about God. It's the light. Keep your light on. Don't let your family members or a co-worker or nobody in your community to turn your light off. You don't have to apologize for being godly. Away with this stuff talking about that we're, we, are, we got small thinking and somehow our thinking needs to evolve. My thinking don't need to evolve. No, it's your living that needs to evolve because it needs to evolve to the word of God. Hello, somebody. That's why we got to stand on the principles of godliness. No matter what the world is doing, we don't capitulate to what they're doing. This is the church of the living God. This church don't belong to me and it don't belong to you. This church belongs to Jesus. So you can come and go. Jesus is still going to be on the throne. So you can choose to get busy living, or you can get busy dying, but I'm going to live. Somebody say, I'm going to live. So David anointed himself because this is indicative of declaring that you belong to God, that you anoint yourself. Get some oil, saints of God. You don't have to have your pastor laying hands on you. Lay hands on yourself. Same hands, same anointing, same Jesus Christ, same Holy Spirit, same God, same Father. If you're a Christian, and you got the same anointing. You don't need no man laying hands on you. That might be your problem. Maybe you had too many hands. <laughs> and I ain't necessarily talking about it in the church. <laughs> See how holy they are right now? <laughs> Pastor, ain't no man laid no hands on me. <laughs> yeah, sure. Keep believing that. You better anoint yourself. Praise God. Because <laughs> your body is what? It's your temple. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? Now, I've had people say, Pastor, you know, is it okay to drink? Is it okay to smoke? And all that stuff. And I don't get that. That's not a real theological issue for me. You know, my answer to that is you do whatever you want to do. Don't ask me. We've had people, we go out, we've had a lot of, call us a strong Christians, and they order drinks when we, there. they look, is it okay to drink? Why are you asking me? You want to drink, drink. I ain't got nothing to do with my conviction. Because if it don't convict you, it's definitely not going to convict me. You want to smoke, smoke. That's your business. Is that going to keep you from heaven? No. It has nothing to do with your salvation, but it may hurt you when you try to witness. So the question is, do you just want to get to heaven by yourself, or do you want to take other people with you? But if you want to get to heaven by yourself, you know you're not going to get in because you're selfish. I'm just, I'm just saying, don't, don't rock me. <laughs> Praise God. Right? 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 You, you see what I'm saying, saints of God? All right, so this is the temple. So, okay, okay, okay. Uh, riddle me this. When you, Batman, thank you. When you got out of your car, let's just say you got out of your car, and you know you're coming into church, and you come in with a six-pack. You got a, a couple of Cubans, you know, stogies. And so you got a couple of Cubans because you want to relax while you hear the word, right? So you bring your liquor. You've got your liquor bottle in here, and you got your little ice and your lemon. And so you in here, right? You got your tequila. You got your salt. You got everything. Say, I know all about that because I used to drink it. So, so you got all that. You got the purple bag. You bring the purple bag in the house. And that's not for the offering. That purple bag is for your crown royal. So you got that in the house. And so, so, so you got all that in the house, right? So, so you come to church, and, you, and, and the pastor's getting ready to preach, and, and all of a sudden you hear something go, Psst. And you know that ain't the usher. 
right? And, and, and so you, you kick back. You kick back. You're like, yeah, amen. Yeah, preach it, brother. People need to change up in this house. But this, this, this is not the temple. Now, even when I said that, it made you cringe. How, why would somebody bring alcohol in the church? Didn't you, didn't you? Didn't you go there? Oh, if you didn't go there, something's wrong with you. <laughs> didn't you go there and say, no, that ain't right. Somebody said, that ain't right. Right, right. So, but this is not the temple. This is nothing but a building. This is the temple. So whatever you put in the temple, this is where God dwells. So what you're doing is, you putting that alcohol, you putting all that smoke, you putting that marijuana, you putting that cocaine right down there where God lives. And then you want to be a Christian. Now, can I go a little bit deeper? So let me go a little bit deeper because if you want to start pointing fingers, let me go a little bit deeper. You start lying, stealing, cussing. Right down there where God lives. And then you say, praise the Lord. God loves you. I've been praying for you. Now, don't be praying for me. <laughs> now, you ain't right. You ain't right. You ain't right. <laughs> Is this making sense at all? So he got up. He washed. He anointed himself. And he changed his clothes. Write this down. You, write this down. I know I'm going to see it somewhere. You should not look like where you came, but where you're headed. Uh-huh. Somebody said, duh-huh. Duh-huh. See, see, you shouldn't look like where you came, but where you're headed. See, you got to change your clothes. See, the clothes represents old associations, habits, and thoughts that will keep us in our past. Change your clothes. See, the three Hebrew boys that went into the fiery furnace, you know them by the Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they went into the fiery furnace. Now listen to the prayer. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, see, this is why worship is so important. They said to King, they said, King, the God we serve is able to save us. Go back and read it again in Daniel. But then they said this, man, this, this is powerful. Then they said, but even if he doesn't. See, that, that we don't preach enough about the part when God don't come through for you. We always talk about God is going to come through. Give me your $100 and God is going to come through right on time. He may not come when you want him, but he's always right on time. I don't, I don't, uh-uh. No. Because, see, my time is my time. Sometimes I don't like God's timing. If you want to be honest about it, God, you're just taking too long. Come on. Sometimes you want to help God like Abraham and Sarah. <laughs> right? And so, so listen, so, 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 so what was I talking about? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I just want to see if y'all were still on it. So, so listen, he said, the God we said, no, nah, I really I lost my place. And so, but then I had to deal in truth. I'm preaching, so I got to deal in truth. Oh, that was just a lie. That was a lie. I, I had no idea where I was going to thank you, Lord, for convicting a brother. Because I might have got struck down dead right there and there. <laughs> Y'all be like, Pastor, lie. <laughs> I would have been to heaven. Praise God. So, so slightly. So, so listen. So he said, the God we, they said, the God we serve is able to save us. But even if he doesn't, we still won't serve you. They, they, they still went into the furnace. So listen to me, saints. You still might have to go in the fire. But just because you go into the fire does not mean God is not with you. Because I'm telling you, I have prayed, God, please, please, pretty please, don't let me go in there. And he said, no, you're going. I said, but I don't want to. He said, but you need to. And you go in there. But just because you go in doesn't mean that God is not with you. Because there was a fourth man that looked like the son of God. Even though they were in the fiery furnace, God was with them. Check this out. Because I believe, it doesn't, the scripture doesn't say this, but I believe they worshiped in the furnace. Because, see, 
only when you worship God, you set an atmosphere for God to be there. Can I give you a scripture on that? It says, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. And at thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. So when you worship, you bring his joy. And joy comes from the inside out. So when you're in the furnace and you worship God, you attract God. And God said, I'm right here with you. So when they came out of the furnace, they did not smell like smoke. You know what that means? They didn't smell like their past. You don't smell depressed. You don't smell defeat on me. I'm not a failure. Yeah, I am not a victim. I'm a victor. I'm not just a conqueror. (laughs) Y'all don't hear what I'm saying here. You hear me here? I'm not just a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror. Why? Because I'm changing my clothes. I don't want to smell like where I came from. Glory to God. Are you here? Are you here? Are you here? The Bible says in John chapter 11, verse 44, you remember Lazarus? Lazarus got up. Somebody said he got up. He walked out of the tomb. Now, Lazarus was dead. Matter of fact, the Bible said Lazarus was stinking. So it was about four days he laid in that tomb. But he got up out of the tomb. Oh, man, y'all got to hear this. He got up out of the tomb. And people saw him. But even though he was up, he was still bound. See, just because you get up does not mean that you're not still tangled up. (laughs) Everybody saw that although Lazarus got up, but he still had his grave clothes on. See, when God brings you out of your grave of depression, you shouldn't be acting like, looking like you're depressed. And if you do, you still got your grave clothes on. Mm-hmm. See, when God brings you out of place of, of, of discomfort and confusion and, and disappointment and rejection, you come out, but you leave those clothes back where God delivered you from. You got to change your clothes. You got to change your outlook on life to get busy living. You can't just sit back in the valley of despair and wait for God to bring you out. He's not coming. You got to decide to get out. Hello, somebody. Is this making sense at all? Somebody said, I got to change my clothes. That means you got to change your outlook, saints of God. You got to set your mind on things above because as, as long as you continue to think about what you don't have and how God didn't answer you and you don't have this yet, you're going to have on those old grave clothes and you're going to be entangled by what you don't have. Don't allow the enemy to trap you behind those bandages. Change your clothes. Last one. He went to the church. To worship. Now, this is the most important piece right here. Because what do you do when you don't know what to do? Well, we just do what David did. First, you got to get up, saints of God. You got you to change your position. See, sometimes that position might mean you, you might need to read the word more. You might need to go to church more. You might need to be consistent in what you do and stop all this flip-flopping. Hello? Oh, let me put my pastor hat on. That might mean you need to get to church on time. Yeah, I said it. If I can get here, you can get here too. I work just like all of y'all. It's about a choice. You have to decide to do it. Hello? Some people say, I just can't get there on time. Yes, you can. You get to work on time. Because if you don't, you know you're going to lose that job. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to lose something here too, right, baby? Because you're doing this as unto the Lord. So don't come in here worshiping when you can't get to church on time. You ain't giving. You ain't giving nothing. Then what what God going to give you? The Bible says, give and it shall be given unto you. I don't care if you got a penny. Do you see how quiet it got in here? It got quiet in this Presbyterian church, boy. Lord, Lord, did y'all hear it got so quiet in here? Man, man, am I hitting some truth? Listen, that goes for me too. 
Now, you wouldn't want to be up in here and you waiting to worship and the praise team, all of us somewhere else. <laughs> and y'all sitting up in here and say, where the pastor? Well, I don't know. We ain't seen him. Where's the praise team? I don't know. What are we going to do? I don't know. Did somebody call you? No, ain't nobody call me. Are you coming back to this church? Be honest. Are you coming back? Who coming back? <laughs> you ain't coming back. You ain't coming back. If I was a visitor and I show up before the praise team and the pastor and I'm sitting there ready for worship, it's 30 minutes late, and I'm sitting there, I want some worship. I got some stuff that I got to get off my chest with God. So I got to have an atmosphere to be in. And, and the pastor ain't there, the praise team ain't there. All the leaders gone. We up in the church. All the visitors look at each other. Do you, are you a member? No, I ain't no member. Yeah, I'm visiting too. Where's everybody? I don't know. <laughs> you know what I'm doing? I'm going to look at them and say, where are we going next Sunday? <laughs> we ain't coming back here. Amen? So listen, don't expect anything of the leaders and me that you're not going to do yourself. That, that's not fair. That's not fair to me. That's not fair to the leaders. Is it? Can I, can I just talk, saints? Don't, can I do it without you getting mad at me and getting offended? See, the reason you get offended because you ain't in the Word. And if you were in the Word, then you would be here on time. All right, let me move on. I hear you. I hear you. Move, Pastor. Move. I'll be getting emails tomorrow, I bet. Watch. So, <laughs> he went to church, saints. Write this down. Worship allows us to escape our present to enter into his presence. Worship allows us to escape our present so that we can enter into his presence. Did you catch that? Because when we worship God, he comes into our present situation and we, he creates an atmosphere of his presence and then the situation is less important than him. That's why he says, cast your cares on me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Why? Because in that atmosphere of his presence, your problems are not the spectacle anymore. See, if you want to reduce your giant, bring that giant into the presence of God. And that giant will become small because no giant in your life, I don't care if it's depression, I don't care if it's sickness, I don't care if it's weakness or fear, that's a giant in your life. But if you bring that into the presence of God, it becomes small compared to God. And God will give you the tools and the anointing to defeat every giant that's in your life. And all you have to do is wind up what God has given you like David did. So we worship him. See, David had to do those four things to get prepared to truly worship. See, this is probably why a lot of people can't worship, because you fuss all the way to church. And then, then, then you don't prepare. And then as soon as you come in the house, you got something else on your mind. Am I talking to somebody up in here? See, I can tell you that because Elaine and I have done that. Yes. <laughs> Fuss. All the way to church. <laughs> and then you get out of the car. Come on, baby. It's because you got to fake it. Somebody say, I got to fake it till I make it. No, you don't fake it. Don't fake it. Because <laughs> everybody knows because she's sitting over there mad. Everybody know, oh, Elaine is mad, boy. <laughs> I don't know what John did, but boy, <laughs> you better get it right. I ain't lying. <laughs> right? So how many of y'all have done that, though? Be honest. If you, now, you might not be married, but you fussing at your kids on the way to church. Sit down. Shut up. <laughs> We're going to church. And then you get to church and you act all holy. Mama, you was just cussing me out in the car. <laughs> Pastor John, mama was cussing me before she walked into the church. Can I get a lollipop? You know, so... <laughs> <laughs> worship you got to change your position saints of God let me let me just get these points again because they're vitally important for where God is has you right now because this is where he has me you got to change your position then there's some other things we have to do saints we got to wash ourselves from see there are some relationships we need to wash ourselves from mm -hmm. there are some hurts 
and some hey, it might be from your own parents. It could be from a family member that violated you when you were young. You need to wash yourself of that. And the best way to do it is forgiveness. See, forgiveness allows you to be washed from all of that bitterness. And it's for you. It's not for them. It's for you to be cleansed. But then you change your clothes. You don't look like, act like, talk like where you came from. Why? Because God is a deliverer. And he can bring you out of every situation, saints of God. Anoint yourself at all so people can see, you know what? I'm more anointed. I have more faith because I was able to get through that valley of despair. And then lastly, go into the church and worship. I mean, be prepared. On your way here, be prepared to worship God. Set your mind on things above. Is this making sense at all, saints of God? We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E, A-T-C, the number three, dot org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.